This is the Baymaw Podcast with Marty Salman. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we see the first of two letters penned by Peter, hearing the heart of a man who had went everywhere with Jesus, including betrayal and restoration. Yeah, I feel like uh, we're coming to a letter that I still have a ton to learn about. The Apostle Peter writes two epistles that end up in our New Testament canon, and I have always had to step back and kind of catch my breath before I read them. Are you saying there might be more letters that are not in the canon? Uh, not, n- no. I'm, I'm okay. I mean, who knows, but that's not what I intend. Not like the I lost am. letter of Corinthians. Right. Okay. Yeah. But I've always kind of tried to step back before I read them. Uh, when we read First and Second Peter, we're reading the late writings of the ap- apostolic leader of the early church. The guy. Like we talk about the triumvirate, like Peter, James, and John. Um, if I were if I were honest, I would say the letters of Peter occupy the same place in my mind where they sit in the New Testament, almost in obscurity toward the back. <laughs> While I grew up very well acquainted with the works and writing of Paul, the books of Peter were used significantly less often, which is interesting. Like it's Peter. It's a big deal. If James is the leader of the Jewish church in Jerusalem, and if John is the pastor to Asia, then when I read Peter, I am reading the head of this early apostolic movement. But more on that in just a moment. Peter addresses those who are chosen by God to carry out their calling in the region of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. How about you read us the opening verses there of First Peter, Brent? Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Right, so on the one hand, this is a wide audience that represents the Greco-Asian church spreading readily throughout the Roman Empire. But as we've discussed before, some of those places aren't exactly on the way, quote-unquote, through Asia. Places like Galatia are far enough off the beaten path that Rome rarely finds a large presence there. Another place mentioned is even more so, Cappadocia. The region of Cappadocia was where people went to escape or to hide. Filled with underground cities carved into the soft rock called Tufa, this was a place for the persecuted. Brent, how did you feel about our time in Cappadocia? That was wild. (laughs) Pretty crazy place, right? I had no idea any of that existed. Yeah. Coming with us Which to I Turkey. I guess is the point for them. Yeah, right? absolutely. Absolutely. It is the point. And come with us to Turkey and we'll we'll go look at it together. But yeah, I feel like Peter, according to church tradition, Peter spent a lot of time in in those kind of backwoods. And I wonder if he did because I, I'm totally speculating here. This doesn't matter at all. We shouldn't waste a whole lot of time here. But I wonder if Peter spent so much time in regions like Galatia, Bithynia, Cappadocia, because the Jerusalem church had leadership with who? With James. James. And Asia had leadership with? With John. And I wonder if... And Paul, I guess, for that matter. And Yeah, and Paul, absolutely. But the one place that was really lacking in leadership was these backwoods Shammai country areas because the Jews weren't accepting them. And so these Gentiles were coming to the faith but didn't have like a home synagogue. And I've wondered if Peter spent so much time there because he felt like they really could use some apostolic encouragement and leadership. So that's, that's, a, that's a very large area of which Peter writes. 
If Peter is writing this letter towards the end of his life, which I think everybody thinks he is, it's entirely probable that the church finds itself under some of the earliest persecutions of the Roman world under emperors like Nero. Thousands of people would flee to a region like Galatia or Cappadocia to escape the cultural torrent swirling around them. Like people are really familiar with the the Neronian persecutions, the persecutions under Nero. I think we'll we'll talk about that more in Revelation. I think we make too much out of Nero when it comes to persecutions. He wasn't the worst persecutor in Roman history. Um, I don't even know if he makes the top five list, but we definitely know of his persecutions, and they were severe for sure. While many believers uh, choose to stay and often die in the face of persecution, uh, in places like Asia, uh, that's often what people did. Others heeded the word of their rabbi Jesus, when you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. This seems to be the cultural context of Peter's letter. He speaks about hope. He speaks about the need to submit to rulers and masters when the temptation is to fight back and stick up for your own rights. He speaks of suffering, like a lot. Uh, consider, let's uh, read some passages here. How about, uh, what, do you, what do you got out of First Peter here, Brent? Uh, let's see, chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 8. Finally, all of you, be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing, because to this you were called, so that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Mitch, I mean, those are unbelievably powerful words when one considers the likely context of this letter, that that they're being persecuted, um, executed, like that there are people running and dying for their faith. If you went back up and read those words again, they're just stunning words. But uh, how about about another passage? What, What do you got next, Brent? Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who did not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Okay, so if we go back to the beginning of the letter, we might find some of the reasons why Peter is able to say these things. Peter said that God was taking his chosen people and building them into a spiritual house, which is how a Jew refers to the temple. Apparently, that's how Peter likes to refer to the temple. A lot of Jews didn't say the word temple because the the reference, the name, the temple, temple capital T was too holy of a word. Uh, 
And so instead of saying that, they would call it a spiritual house, which is what Peter says here. It says that Paul uh, uh, says that God was taking his chosen people and building them into a temple, a spiritual temple. In a, in a similar fashion to how Paul uh, would say in his letters that we, plural, are the temple, singular, of the Holy Spirit. Peter claims in the same way that we are all living stones. You, I'm a stone, Brent, you're a stone, whoever's listening to this pot, you're a stone. And we are chosen and quarried by God to be built into a temple. So again, multiple stones. So we are what, plural or singular? Plural. Plural. And God is building us into temple. Singular. Singular. Central to Peter's encouragement of the early believers is a belief that the way they persevere and overcome together not as individuals, but together as a community, tells a story and shows the world what their God is like. If this is true, then in the midst of uh, persecution, there is incredible hope. Hope that the world might know more clearly the love and faithfulness of God. I think there are so many things we can learn from this letter and see paralleled in our own culture. I'm not saying that we live in a culture of persecution. I find the culture wars of our day to be a disgusting and despicable spit in the face of people who actually know what persecution looks like. Quite simply, we are not a persecuted people in our American culture, no matter how we perceive the culture around us. And I know we have listeners in other cultures, but in our developed world, whatever we want to call the world that we... uh, Yes, uh, I'm just going to leave it with that. Put that way. <laughs> and I'm not speaking of individuals because I know that individuals definitely go through persecution of lots of different kinds. I'm talking about as a, as a people group and specifically about American Christianity. Our trials cannot lay a finger on the things suffered by those early Christians in places like Cappadocia. And yet I do believe that their example is one that directly applies to so many of the conversations we wrestle with today. As we continue to move away from a Christian world to a post-Christian world, something I personally do not uh, mourn in the least, we have, not, we have not created a Christian world well. We did not wield the sword well throughout the last 2,000 years of church history. So I don't, I don't mourn the changing world from Christian to post-Christian. I don't, I don't shed a tear over that. We must consider that our role to play in the world is this missional role that Peter invites the early believers to take part in. How do we tell the story of Jesus? Do we fight back? Do we stand up for our rights? Or do we persist in doing good, no matter what the future brings or how the world reacts? Do we overturn the systems of oppression and injustice? And do we choose forgiveness, love, and compassion at our own expense it, like, is this whole thing, is this whole American Christianity thing just about Supreme Court justices? Like, is that is that our big call in the world is so that we can return the world back to a, a Christian world with Christian morality? Or is the kingdom of God, does it operate differently? This is what leads to my final observation. It's interesting to consider the life journey and transformation of Peter. The same Peter who wrote this letter had decades before declared he would take his sword and die for his rabbi. He claimed he would never disown him and never forsaken him. And then after learning the humiliating taste of dishonor, Peter experienced the light of hope and resurrection. He experienced forgiveness that day on a beach in the Gospel of John. 
Peter finds a new identity leading the church, feeding Jesus's sheep in a way that looks much different than the road he wanted to choose when he was a young Talmud following Jesus. This is a Peter who has been changed. I say all this because there is hope for a guy like me and perhaps maybe a guy or a gal like you. There is hope. We can, we can still choose the way of grace. We can still choose the way of peace. We can still choose to be changed by living hope. A lot of things I'd like to keep talking about there, Brent, but for the sake of not just brevity, it's a short little discussion today. But for the sake of not getting myself into trouble, how about that? We'll just, we'll just leave that there. I think you've already been uh, working on that pretty good on this episode. <laughs> a lot of trouble for just a few minutes of, yeah, of time that's here. That's right. We packed a lot into that little you know, 14 minutes there. I mean, it is something that we should seriously consider. Absolutely. And I know I grew up reading like uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs or whatever. Like I know those stories. So to like know like in intimate details, the stories of, of persecutions that people have experienced over the years to think that I'm persecuted today would be crazy. Yeah. But then, you know, you get in a group and you're like, well, these people are saying this and that. And we like, you just, I don't know. I don't want to say it's like a mob mentality thing, but yeah. I mean, so much of the difference between us and the early churches is the early church was always on the underbelly of imperial power. It was on the underbelly of, popular opinion. It was on the underbelly. It was the underbelly. It was, it was the margins. It was the persecuted. It was the, and in our world, um, most of us, not all of us that are listening to this podcast, but most of us, especially if we're middle-class, if we're white, even more so if we're male, like we have been able to assume, um, like our norm is a norm of some level of comfort. Our norm is a norm of some level of privilege. Not to use political terms to get people worked up, but like we we come from a place that is just very vastly, strikingly different than the early church, and at, we're not talking apples to apples, and so it's hard to figure out how to apply these words because it does feel like the world is changing, and it is the world is changing, and it's becoming less Christian. It's becoming a post-Christian world, and so it's becoming less comfortable for me. But that's because I used to be able to assume that my worldview was the default, and it's no longer the default. But it's still not a persecuted option. <laughs> like, we're not dying for our faith. We're not running and hiding in people's basements. We're not digging tunnels between here and Pullman trying to figure out, like, where we're going to hide. And I don't say that jokingly, like, because our history is full of people that did. Like, they did have to do those things. And so, yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely uh, come to Turkey and walk the tunnels with us. Yeah, I, I, I feel like, yeah, if you, you, if you sit in a, an underground church where people hid for months running from imperial oppression and some of them dying, I, I just feel like when you come back, I, you, you just really don't care that much that Starbucks doesn't want to use the term Merry Christmas. I just, <laughs> I just don't feel like that becomes important anymore. Yeah. I don't feel like that's the loss of our identity and oh no, like I, I think instead you you go, wow, I how do I how do I carry the comfort and privilege that I still have, even if they keep taking away all my Jesus? Well they 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 didn't have any Jesus in the early church that they could wear like that. You didn't put it on a t shirt. You, you didn't wear it around your neck. You you didn't you didn't, you know, you 
and it was different for different parts of the yes it was parts of the empire like we'll yep. we'll also go to places in turkey where they had crosses on their yep. store absolutely and it varied from city to city even you know it wasn't even region to region it was even city to city people just had different popular opinions so yeah absolutely all right i dragged a little extra trouble out of you there, there you the, yeah we'll see <laughs> the end of this episode all right well if you have any questions or thoughts you can go to baymodestabship.com you find all the things you need to know about the show there so thanks for joining us on the baymod podcast we'll talk to you again soon